tieflings and tabaxi, high elves and halflings, barbarians and bards. Welcome back to Raw School. Open up your player's handbook as we take another deep dive into the magical and mystical world of Dungeons and Dragons. Class is now in session. My God, Anna, I am so freaking <laughs> excited to talk about this stuff today. Welcome, everyone. You have been so looking forward to this, and oh. I'm thrilled to be here, present, present for your enthusiasm. <laughs> present! I, okay, today we are talking about, we're going to talk about two topics. One, leveling, how you go about that, and mm -hmm. two, one of my favorite topics ever, multi-classing. That's right. We're going to talk about how to multi-class them. Joe has a PhD in multi-classing, which is why he's the perfect professor for the multi-classing lecture. All right. Yes, yeah, <laughs> students, I have a PhD in multi-classing. I, I feel like we should tell you that at this point, we're kind of in like raw school 201 instead of yeah. 101. You know? These are advanced yeah. techniques. Yeah. 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 So like we've you've learned... You know, how to start a game, how to find folks to play with, how to start putting your character together, how to finish putting your character together, and even the minutiae behind picking equipment, picking weapons, spell casting, all of that stuff. You guys now have all of that under your belt. And and now the only thing left to do is to figure out where you go from here, right? So yeah. we're going to start by talking about how you level up. And in D&D, you get to be levels 1 through 20 for the most part. I, is there anything beyond 20? Like, are there things that go past that? Uh, there actually are. There are there are creatures that are higher than mm -hmm. level 20. But um, your character's max level, unless your DM imports some homebrew stuff, your, your max level will be 20. Um, All right. And it is exceptional, exceptionally rare to reach level 20. <laughs> But that doesn't mean it can't be done. It just means that you have to play long enough to get there. You have to keep your campaign going long enough to get there. And mm -hmm. that so that brings us to an important first question. You know, how does one level up? Mm. You have no say in the matter. Sorry about it. But <laughs> <laughs> your DM gets to decide. So depending on how many interactions you have, um, how many combats you're in, how many monsters you defeat... Uh, all of that stuff kind of goes into determining, you know, how much experience are you getting? And then based on that, your DM or GM uh, will make a determination about when you've kind of hit a point where you get to go to the next level. And the, they'll usually just, that's exactly how they'll tell you. They're like, okay, you're now at level three, you're now at level <laughs> four, and that'll be that. <laughs> Yeah, and there's there, so there's sort of two formal ways to level. The one that that most DMs use is called milestone leveling, which just means, like Anna said, like you reach a point in the game where the DM decides, okay, you've done enough that it's time to level up. The other method, which is more sort of nitty gritty, more like a video game feel, is literally just based on experience points, mm -hmm. where where it's doled out to you after you know defeating monsters and whatnot, and then at some point your character will level up. Um, but mo most of the time, you're going to be doing a milestone type leveling. 
Yep. And again, because your DM gets to decide that, it becomes a little bit of a surprise sometimes when you level up. But more often than not, uh, at the end of a session, your DM will either tell you that you've leveled up or your DM might tell you, hey, prepare your level four sheet because we might be leveling up soon. And then that's usually an indicator that you're about to level up pretty soon. So what does leveling up mean, right? Yeah. So when you when you start your character at level one, your race and class and subclass and background give you all this stuff, give you all this information that's all part of your starting gear, your starting equipment, um, what you have at level one, right? That's what, all of the stuff that that tells you. Each time you level up, you get a bump in something, and that can sometimes be your proficiency bonus, it can be an extra ability from your subclass, it can be a score improvement to your ability scores, it can be more spell slots, it can be uh, more known spells, it all just depends on what you're playing and what level you're leveling up to. But there are certain things that happen no matter what class you are every single time you level up. And those would be the hit point max and the hit dice. And Joe, do you want to tell us about those? Sure, yeah. And we talked a little bit about them, but basically, um, uh, again, depending on your DM, whether you're going to be rolling for hit points or just taking the average, talk to your DM first. But uh, for second level on every level above that, you would roll whatever hit dice is listed on your character page. So if you're a paladin, for example, it's a D10. If you're a wizard, it's a D6. And you take that roll, whatever it is, a 1, a 6, a 10, um, and add your constitution modifier to it. And though that is the extent to which your hit point maximum has increased. Um, most DMs that I've worked with um, don't roll for hit points. You just take the average, which is listed in the player's handbook, like the average plus one, which is listed in the player's handbook, um, again, on whatever class, the first page of your class page um, in the handbook. But yeah, that's pretty much it. And then for every level, you get one hit dice that can be used during a short rest to regain hit points. Right. And so that always just is going to correspond with whatever level you are. So, you know, at level five, you'll have five hit dice. At level six, you'll gain another and you'll have six hit dice. Um, And so when, oh, since our star pupil Sandy is playing a paladin, uh, I figured that we would break down paladins leveling up uh, to talk about the different kinds of things that you can get when you level up. So I'm looking at page 83 in the player's handbook. I mean, I don't know why we're pandering to her. (laughs) I suppose I like paladins, so why not? I know. This will be useful for me, too, (laughs) since I play one. We don't need to care about Sandy that much. Um, (laughs) So, okay. So every class is going to have a chart like this that you can see. Um, And that chart is going to give you all the information you need to know about leveling your class up. So you'll see in the very first column there, it's just going to have your levels listed first through 20th. The next column tells you your proficiency bonus. So you'll notice that first through fourth, your proficiency bonus is a plus two, right? Like that's what your proficiency bonus starts out as when you build a new character. But 
When you get to fifth level, your proficiency bonus becomes a plus three, and then that periodically increases as you level up. What that means is everything that you're proficient in, whether that be a weapon, whether that be a skill, whether that be anything else, anything you're proficient in, when you roll your die, you get to add one more number to that. Mm-hmm. So instead of adding plus two for your proficiency bonus on a d20, you're going to add plus three starting at level five or even plus four starting at level nine. And that's true ac- across all classes. Um, that's the one thing that remains constant regardless of the class is that everyone's proficiency modifier changes at the same rate. Absolutely. And then the next column is going to be probably your most interesting column when you're leveling up, right? So these are the like features that you pick up every level. So when you're at first level, you get certain things, right? Like so for a paladin, they have lay on hands um, and divine sense, which are two abilities we talked about when we broke down what a paladin can do. Um, and then you'll notice at second level, they pick a fighting style. They get to do some spell casting. They get the divine smite feature. What this means is you read through your class description and you read through your subclass description and it will explain to you the features that you receive as you level up through that character. So if you read the class description and the subclass description for paladins, you'll understand what it means to pick up a fighting style. You'll understand what divine smite is. And spellcasting just means that now paladins at level two have the ability to cast spells, which is awesome. Um, and then as you keep going, sometimes your features will come from your subclass, whatever you've chosen. And sometimes they'll just be general things that a lot of classes get, like how at fifth level you get an extra attack. That is irrespective of your subclass, right? Like no matter what subclass of paladin you choose, at fifth level, if you play a paladin, you're going to get an extra attack. And then other times you'll see something called ability score improvement. Joe, do you want to explain to us what that is? Sure. So anytime you see ability score improvement, and most classes um, will we'll see this five times throughout the life of their character. Some classes like a fighter, um, and I believe a rogue, actually get six of them. Um, so uh, important to look at when you get those. But basically, at that point, you get to increase any... You basically get two free ability points to add to to whichever of your ability scores you want so if you want to increase one score by two points or split those two points up and give one here and one there you can absolutely do that um alternatively if your dm allows you to to take feats um feats are basically these special abilities that you can take instead of increasing your ability score by two so you forego that ability score increase and you can pick from a vast list of special abilities that honestly for certain classes feats are so valuable if you're a spellcaster look at the warcaster feat it gives you advantage on all constitution saving throws that you make in order to maintain concentration that is so important if you're nice. a spellcaster right um so uh yeah just ask your dm if feats are uh, are an option in your campaign um and you can certainly uh certainly look at taking feats 
Absolutely. And I feel like I should explain something about ability score improvements because I made this mistake when I started out playing. When we say you get to add two, we're talking you get to add two to the big number, right? Mm -hmm. To the like 16s, the 18s, the 15s, all of that. That does not mean you get to add two to your (laughs) modifiers, which is what I originally thought. And I was like, this is great. Now my charisma is a plus five instead of a plus three. That's crazy. And Joe had to be like, no, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's two to the big number. So that's what we mean when we say ability score improvement. And then um, if we're keeping on the paladin track, you'll see that the last column gives you the information about spell slots per spell level. So paladins have obviously a very specific number of spell slots that only range from first to fifth fifth level spells and they get a certain number of spells as they level up. In some other classes, you'll notice that... uh, that column can also include your number of cantrips known. It can. Um, it also gives you information about how many spells you know um, with other classes. So you're going to want to make sure that you take a good look at that chart for whichever class you are playing, because it will give you important information um, about your spell casting abilities. And another thing to mention is that sometimes with your features it will, um, you'll be able to use that particular feature a number of times. And that number can change as you level up. So a great example of that is the lay on hands feature, which is essentially just five times your level. Okay, so at level one, a paladin has five hit points that they can dole out as an action uh, that's within their kind of pool of hit points. Every time a paladin levels up, they get to add five to that, which is really, really fantastic and a great power to have. But it also means that when you level up as a paladin, that's another thing you have to calculate and make sure that you are adding to as you go along, because it's so useful and you don't want to be at fifth level thinking you still only have five points of lay on hands, (laughs) when in reality you have like 25 points Mm -hmm. of hit points to dole out. So just make sure that you read your features carefully and they will tell you if they change depending on what level you are. And if they do, then make sure that you also calculate those new features. Excellent. All right. Is there anything else I'm missing in leveling up? I don't think so. I, I Just again, as Anna said, look at that chart. It gives you all the information you need to know, and it can be found right in the player's handbook. Um, Excellent. Yeah. All right. Now we are going to <laughs> dive into multi-classing. <gasps> Let's and do I'm it. so excited. <laughs> okay. So, and maybe a fun way to do this, Anna, would be for you to, because I know that you're just dipping your toes into multi-classing. Yes. So why don't I just sort of give a little bit brief explanation of it, and then you can basically just ask me questions that you have about multi-classing, and you can be my pupil. Great. <laughs> so... What is multi-classing? All right. Well, as you know, we, we just said earlier that the, the level cap for your character is level 20. So you could go through levels 1 through 10, 20 and, and be a, you know a rogue and take all 20 levels of rogue. What multi-classing does is it says, okay, instead of taking a level in rogue, you actually start 
over and take another level in a different class while maintaining whatever level in rogue you have. So let's say you're a rogue, like uh, we'll use my character Umbra, the rogue warlock, for an example. Um, at second level, I believe, I started taking levels in warlock. So what that means is that I was a second level rogue and when the other characters in the campaign all went to third level, my overall character went to third level, but instead of being a third level rogue, I was at the same time simultaneously a second level rogue and a first level warlock. Um, the general rule about about the kinds of things you get when you decide to multi-class is that you get all the features listed. We just talked about those features in the uh, in the chart that you'll see. Uh, on like the character page you get all of those features you just don't get any of the starting proficiencies and starting equipment of the class so you don't get any of uh, of the additional skills unless it specifically says that you do um, in the multi-classing section which we'll talk about in a minute um, you don't get generally speaking um, all of the armor and weapon proficiencies and you do not get the saving throw um, proficiencies or language proficiencies that would come with starting a class from first level. So this is an important point for multi-classing. If you think that you want to play a multi-class character, think about what class you want to start with. Um, if you are going to play a class where you get a bunch of stuff at first level and when you multi-class into something, um, uh, you really don't get anything, then it makes sense to start with that that class that you might get first. The, these concepts kind of play themselves out based on the different combinations you can make, but you can take any number of classes that you want. Um, you could take one level in every class if you really wanted to. You'd have like a million cantrips and <laughs> and a lot of first level spells, and that's about it. Um, but <laughs> it would be neat, I guess. I don't know. Um, so that's sort of the quick and dirty about multiclassing. Um, the only other thing I'll mention right now is that there are prerequisites to multiclassing. So if you look on page 163 of the player's handbook, that's where the multiclassing section is. You'll notice there's a little chart on the right hand side that says multiclassing prerequisites. What this chart means is that you have to have a 13 in the listed ability score or ability scores in order to multi-class in or out of a given class. So what does that mean? Well, let's start at the top. Let's say you're a barbarian uh, from first level. You have to have at least a 13 in order to multi-class into a different class. Now, that's obviously going to be easy because... Pretty much every barbarian has a high strength. But let's say you, you look one down and it says bard. Let's say you want to multi-class into a bard and become a bardbarian, as they call them. <laughs> well, you would have to have at least a 13 charisma in order to take a level of bard. So definitely pay attention to those prerequisites because that's really going to limit what you can and can't multi-class into. And the golden number you're looking for is 13. The other thing that's just important to know is on the next page, you'll see another chart. This tells you what proficiencies you gain when you multi-class into another class. So, for example, Sorcerer and Wizard, if you pick up a level of Sorcerer and Wizard, you don't get any additional proficiencies. Um, instead, you're getting access to like a bunch of magic. So that's awesome. But if you look at Ranger... If you decide to take a level in Ranger, 
you get you suddenly gain proficiency in light armor, medium armor, shields, simple weapons, martial weapons, and one skill from the ranger class list. That's a That's fuck crazy. ton of shit. I know. That's like a <laughs> fuck ton of shit, right? So this is this chart's going to be super important when you're thinking about optimizing your character. Um, and, and you really want to sort of think about how these things fit together. And I guess while we're at it, one last thing, if you look on page 165, which also happens to be where the feats start, just so you know, um, there's one last chart which tells you about... Um, the spell slots you would have as a multicast spellcaster. I'm not going to go into it. There's a whole thing. There's a whole section on how to calculate spells. The general rule is that if you are a full caster, so if you're like a wizard and you want to multiclass into a druid, then you get the same number of spell slots every level. So that doesn't change. It's just the, 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 the level of spell you would have access to wouldn't be as high, obviously, because you're delaying your progression in wizard, um, in, in that instance. Um, and the other important thing is that if you're, if you decide to take a level in warlock, the warlock spell slots are completely separate from your other spell slots. So you just get warlock spell slots and they're separate. So yeah. Okay. Anna. Oh my God. What <laughs> questions do you have about multiclassing? Which is really fun because that's, yeah. oh wait, that's going to be, well, I guess I spoiled that secret, but I'm going to multi-class in Warlock, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, my first question is more general, not really specific to me, but sure. I know you can start multi-classing literally at like level two, right? Like you could take right. a level one in any any class and just keep going like that. Would you say that there is a particular level that's a great point to start multi-classing? Mm. You know, it really depends on the combination that you're trying to put together. So if we take Umbra, who is a, a rogue warlock, I waited until third level to start multiclassing into warlock because I really wanted that cunning action at second level. That is such an amazing ability to use your bonus action in a million different ways that I knew I needed that sooner rather than later. But I could forego the benefits that I would get at third level of rogue because I really wanted access to those warlock abilities. Um, if we take Inky, who is a multi-classed wizard cleric, I knew that I wanted to multi-class, started as a wizard and multi-classed into cleric. I knew right at second level, I wanted to multi-class into cleric because if you look on page 164, you gain access to light armor, medium armor, and shield proficiency when you multi-class into cleric. As a wizard, I don't have proficiency in those things naturally. Mm -hmm. So I got those things right at second level. So now I'm a wizard that has medium armor and a shield, which is awesome so it really depends on like i will say multi-classing requires like some planning and thinking about you know a good level to to start but anna if we're talking about eso um you're at sixth level right now seventh level is actually a great level to start because you just got your auras uh at yeah. sixth level so that is a huge 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 buff for paladins so now you already have that and then you're going to take a level in warlock so that's actually a great spot to sort of transition if you're this far along in the campaign already a lot a lot of my reasoning behind waiting this long was because this was my first campaign and I really wanted to get familiar with being a paladin before I started mm -hmm. multi-classing, but I am definitely pumped to to take Ooh. on some warlock. And okay, so mm -hmm. uh I know that you create your own 
character sheets <laughs> and do. that you're you're a wackadoo that makes up your own multi-classing character sheets mm-hmm. but for the rest of us what is the best way to kind of keep track of two classes at the same time sure so one obviously is to make your own character sheets <laughs> um which i will make one for you anna yes. so don't you worry about yourself <laughs> Um, there's actually on the, the class specific character sheets, uh, that we posted back when we did, uh, the raw school episode and we posted the link to those sheets. Um, there actually are like ones that just say like caster or, or fighter that have like some spell slots on there. Um, so you may want to use those as templates, uh, and just fill in all the information with your character. Um, and if you're using a program like D&D Beyond, then it does it all for you. It just it just merges your, those two classes together. Um, aside from that, I mean, if you're using like a traditional character sheet, just go ahead and like make make space for for what it is that you need the info you need on your sheet so that you can know what has to go there. So like for me with Inky, I have a wizard who is an intelligence based caster and a cleric who's a wisdom based caster. That means that I have two different spell save DCs, two different spell attack bonuses. Um, A wizard is a D six hit point. A cleric is a D eight hit point. I have two different pools of hit points. Um, uh, uh, to choose from uh, when I'm like doing short rests and whatnot. So all of those things I had to account for on my character sheet. And I had a lot of fun, like moving stuff around to put that there, but you're definitely going to want to write in with your hands, like, like <laughs> as opposed to your feet, I guess, <laughs> write in by hand, like where you would put those things so that you remember, because you can easily sort of lose track of stuff if you're not organized. So, okay, so I guess that's another thing I have a question about is like calculating your hit point maximum and your hit mm-hmm. dice. So what I'm hearing is that I'll, I will keep just six paladin hit dice mm-hmm. when I pick up warlock and then I will pick up a warlock hit dice. And then when I'm calculating my hit point maximum, instead of adding my usual six plus constitution, I'll actually add the warlocks, uh, Okay, so right. if I pick up a level one warlock, does that mean I get the maximum like I would no. otherwise? No. Yep. Okay. No, yeah, so so I think an important distinction when we're talking about multiclassing is character level versus class level. So your character level is is overall what is the level of your character when you add the individual levels of all the classes you've taken. So if you have three levels of wizard and three levels of warlock, you are a sixth level character overall. Um, the important thing about that is that things that that rely on character-based leveling, such as the damage that cantrips do... That depends on your character level, not your class level. So when you multi-class into Warlock, and if you took Eldritch Blast, you would have two blasts of Eldritch Blast, not one, because you are a, at that. Well, at that point, you'd be a seventh level character. Wow. Yeah. So so you're 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 getting the benefit of anything that takes advantage of things like proficiency bonus. Um, uh, on the other hand, if like the, the, the reverse of this is that you, when you take a level, for example, in warlock, you are only a first level warlock for anything that's warlock related. So, so you're going to get access to Eldritch invocations at second level. 
you if something says you need to be fifth level in order to take a specific invocation, you have to be fifth level in Warlock, not okay. just a fifth level character. So that's a really important distinction. Anytime a, a class feature says that something is level based, they mean level in this class. And normally that's the language that it will use. It will say you're level in this class. And that chart, with the exception of proficiency bonus, that chart on you know the first page of the class pages in the player's handbook um, will refer to the the levels of of your specific class and the things you gain so let's say at seventh level you take one level of warlock and at eighth level you take your second level of warlock well at eighth level you'd go from having one warlock spell slot to two warlock spell slots Mm -hmm. and you would gain access to eldritch invocations but that doesn't mean that you could suddenly pick things that require you to be an eighth level warlock gotcha okay that makes sense are there particular classes that pair well together or are you just in the business of let's see what (laughs) let's see what this looks like (laughs) right so like okay here's my here's my 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 warning for everyone when you multi-class characters are designed just by the book to like be optimized as they get stronger. Um, so you, you are sacrificed. Like for every level you take in another class, you're preventing yourself from reaching max level in the class you started out as. So Druid, for example, at level 20 Druids can use wild shape an unlimited number of times. That makes you, especially if you're a moon Druid virtually, <laughs> indestructible i i mean seriously like like you cannot kill a moon druid at level 20 it's insane um but but also like the the chance of you reaching level 20 or playing a lot at level 20 versus lower levels is so slim and it's going to be such it's going to account for such a small portion of the gameplay that you don't like i personally wouldn't think that far ahead necessarily um uh so instead, I would focus on the things you gain at lower levels. There are certain key things you're going to look for. One is what ability scores does that class primarily utilize? I I was experimenting with a bard rogue build because both bards and rogues. Um, so rogues really ha- have high decks and charisma is kind of like a backup stat for them. And for bards, it's the reverse. They have high charisma and decks is kind of a backup stat for them. Um, so when you mix those two together, they complement each other really nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I also am planning this. I've mentioned on the podcast before this barbarian druid. That's really not an optimized build <laughs> at all because because barbarians, you need a high strength. You can't really be a dex-based barbarian because you don't get any of the benefits of like rage and all that and reckless attack and stuff unless it's strength-based. And druids don't need strength at all. So it's kind of an odd build, but I just liked narratively the character I created sure. who uses those abilities. Now, I will say for you, Anna... Paladins and Warlocks, the old Pally Lock, is a very <laughs> popular um, combo. Uh, multi-class. Yes. I assume it's because of the charisma that Well, has- it's because of that it's because of how warlock spell slots work. A warlock regains their spell slots on a short rest, which means Ooh. Yes, which means so another important point is that when you're multi-classing, generally speaking, you can cast any of your spells in any available spell slot you have, which means a paladin, you can either cast a paladin spell with that warlock spell slot 
or you can use it to divine smite, right? Whoa! Right. So if you t- if you took even two levels of warlock, you're kind of giving yourself like at least four extra spell slots because you're going to take a short rest at some point most sure. of the time during a day. So you're gaining access to like a lot more ability to use your divine smite feature. Um yeah, and it's just a great way to, especially if you, well, we won't get into maybe particular subclasses, but mm-hmm. there are a lot of really narratively interesting subclasses that fit really nicely with a paladin. Awesome. Well, I'm yeah. so excited. <laughs> um, I think that's all the questions I have, but this is going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah. So like other things to, to keep in mind, um, uh, really take a look at the chart on like what you're going to gain proficiencies in. Um, you really want to kind of maximize those things and plan those out accordingly. Another thing to keep in mind is when to take levels of each class. That's totally up to you. Whenever you level up, you can choose whether to continue back in your original class continue in that second class or who knows, take a third class. Um, Just be mindful of what you're losing when you take a level in another class. So in our Icewind Dale campaign with Inky, I knew that I would not be gaining um, the benefits of the ability score increase at level four. Once we reach that, like the rest of you guys, because I'm one level delayed because of that cleric level. Mm -hmm. So, that those are important considerations you want to take into account. Like for me, I knew that that was going to be an okay sacrifice. And then I'll get that ability score increase later on. But for you, you may decide, Hey, I don't want to risk that. I really want that ability score increase. Um, yeah. And otherwise just focus on, on things that complement each other. So I, I saw when I was reading through the multi-classing portion of the player's handbook that they made a note about extra attack Mm. Um, and to translate that, does that mean that if I pick two classes that both get extra attack at fifth level and I'm somehow a 10th level character with five levels in each, I don't get like three attacks or four attacks or whatever that, that addition would be. Is that, is that what that's saying? Correct. So you don't, you wouldn't get three attacks. Um, you just get the extra attack and really that's, that's a balancing issue. Getting three attacks would make you like way more powerful than your character should be. Mm -hmm. Um, other important things you can't get more than one fighting style. Um, I think there's one, there's one fighter subclass that you can, but other than that, um, you don't get an additional fighting style if your class already has one. And again, if you look on page 164, it sort of tells you the limitations. Um, there's limitations on channel divinity, extra attack, unarmored defense, generally speaking with spell casting. So you just really want to be conscious of those things before you choose to spell cast, uh, to multi-class. Um, just a fun one that I had told Anna about previously. I played a, uh, I was playing in a one shot at level 10 and I was playing a, uh, monk ranger. So I started as a monk and then I multiclassed into ranger. So I had six levels of monk and four levels of ranger. Oh my God. This was so much fun (laughs) to play because I had access to all of my monk abilities. I could use stunning strike. I could do all these things. I had slow fall, whatever, but then I also gained a fighting style, which monks typically don't get. I gained access to spell class casting, including Hunter's Mark, which means every time Very I nice. yeah, which means every time I hit a creature that is marked, I do an additional d6 of damage. And monks are known for doing multiple hits in one round. So, um, and again, 
rangers are dex and wisdom based and monks are dex and wisdom based. So I really focused on buffing up my dex, buffing up my wisdom and really optimizing that character. So yeah, Excellent. just just like yeah, plan it out ahead, think about it. It's a whole new layer of of fun that you can just pump into your character and a whole new challenge. So mm-hmm. you're in the advanced raw school now, guys. You better yeah. be taking these challenges. <laughs> one more. So just one more fun thing I love to do. So you're in the campaign where I play Umbra. So Umbra has access to the second level warlock spell, Darkness. She also has the Eldritch invocation, Devil's Sight, which lets her see through magical darkness. <laughs> one of my favorite things to do is cast darkness, stand inside that sphere of darkness, <laughs> and shoot through things that are outside of the sphere that gives me advantage automatically on anything that I'm shooting because they cannot see me, which means I don't have to take a bonus action as a rogue to use hide or, or anything else like that in order to gain advantage. So it's all about using your, those features in unique ways that to really make your class fun. And I highly recommend that you work with your DM on, on, well, a, first of all, just, Will they allow you to multi-class? Because it is sort of, you know, up, up to the DM. Um, but B, uh, how to do that in a really narratively satisfying way. And I think Anna and I are going to have some fun doing that for Yay. Isa. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us for another episode of Raw School. And we'll see you next time. Class is dismissed. Woohoo!